Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A, a, a grain of rice. A, a grain of rice. If you want to tip the scale, just remember that then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Murad into the game. Our mission was to show us that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. We may be coming to the fag end of the GAA season, but that doesn't mean that the great stories end. Um, my name is Tony Lean. And when I came to Cork and the Examiner first in 1989, Larry Tompkins' pub was only around the corner from the office on Academy Street. He was only a couple of years older than me, but he had achieved so much with Cork. And I also knew of his exploits at Gaelic Park in New York. Anyone who had kicked a ball in the Bronx had heard of Tompkins' heroic afternoon there in the colours of Donegal. We grew friendly. I was always wary, I guess, of his bark, mind you, but pally enough that we'd go off training together on pitches around Cork and Toker and even down in Ballygarvan. He used to look at me at the end of those sessions, the sweat would be dripping off me, and he'd say, you know, if you're keeping up with me, then I'm finished. Larry Tompkins' standards were a lot, lot higher than most of us. This guy made his senior Kildare debut at 16 he played an All-Ireland final, well, part of it anyway, with a torn cruciate. He carried teams on his back, or certainly as near as keeps that out of the realm of hyperbole. But as one of the true icons of Gaelic football, I've always felt he was some way undervalued, I think. I put it this way, if there was a GAA transfer market, I'd break the bank to sign him. Recently, he was inducted into the GAA's Hall of Fame, so you know maybe he's not undervalued after all. But his story is remarkable and poignant and controversial. We spent two hours chatting last week and I felt I was only scratching the surface of the Larry Tompkins story. Here's part one. We're going to go, we're going to talk about modern day football, Larry, and we're going to go back. But just thinking, you're 56 years on this planet now. What would you say is the greatest thing Larry Tompkins has achieved in his 56 years? I suppose uh, growing up I suppose in the environment I was in um, small little place very rural um, I suppose just to achieve to, to think that you're going to be the best and to try and get to, get somewhere near it um, actually it's been a Every road that somebody takes like that, it's 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 rocky, it's bumpy, it's it's every direction. But you have to be able to deal with every every aspect. But um, I grew up like with, um, I suppose, like a lot of people at that time didn't didn't my family didn't have an awful lot. Um, we did we had no kind of we had no transport, we had no electricity, we had no running water for a long time. Um, all we had was a, a football and a, a farmer's field, and listening to. Going up to the neighbour's house and listening to the 
matches on the radio, the old radio. Mm. Um, and just thinking someday that maybe rather than me listening to it, I could be in that radio. So, yeah, it's... Um, you were the youngest of seven. I was the youngest of seven, yeah. I had um, four older brothers um, and two sisters, yeah. So mm. um, somebody said I, I got spoiled, but look, listen, when the potatoes were thrown out on the table... <laughs> You had to dig in. Yeah. So I often wonder, uh, you know, when, when we talk about kids and offspring and you even, you know, when you look at your own now and you talk about, okay, the youngest one is the one who learns the most because they learn from the mistakes of the previous ones. I mean, do, looking back, do you think in some ways being the youngest wasn't a bad thing? Well, I suppose it, it has its advantages and then... It, it can have other other things as well, like. But I suppose it it, it helped me. Yeah, mm. I think it did. Um, I think it was playing up in the f- farmers' field again. My brothers, in particular, that were they were all good players, um, and they would have no mercy on you. Mm. So, look, it it toughened me up. Mm. It 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 spelled a, a kind of a direction in my life like this. I think when I when I when I nurtured going through life, I think it can help me a lot. I would describe you and take this as a compliment as being as hard as concrete on the field. Um, I think in a generation after you, Declan O'Sullivan actually of Kerry reminded me a small bit of you, not just because you both played at eleven, but because you could both mix it physically, football-wise. You could you had all the skills yet you weren't afraid, and there was nothing, there was no such thing as a 40-60 or a 50-50 to you. I'm just saying, that's not something, Lara, that can be coached, I don't think. No, I'd agree. Um, I think it's, as I said, it's, it's, it's a lot to do with how much you want something and, and um, your desire and your, you know, I had a massive family, like I had a massive uh, parents and mother and father, like they were great people and and. and you know, you respected everything that they'd done. And um, I think when you when you come up in that environment, I think that you are a better person in every sense of the way. Um, of course, I had, everybody has their failings, but I think they're very respectful to people like to have been involved with teams, over teams. You know, a lot of people nowadays might look overlook that. You know, things like even simple basic things of even coaching the team today like and, and being involved. You know, people, players don't even pick up a cone or a ball or a, a bib afterwards and bring it in. Mm. Like, that was, we we probably didn't have the bibs, we didn't have a lot of footballs, but um, we always helped out, like. Yeah, and, uh, you had respect. Yeah, yeah, like, and that's a massive thing. And I, I even said to my young fella nowadays, like, and he's uh, he's playing there with Bishopstown and he's only 12, but, you know, I always say to him at every, after every training session, you know, I always say to the coach, listen, thanks very much. You know, mm. but, you know, those things go a long way. Like and it I, must. I know. I, I was talking to you about this coming down the stairs. Um, I can imagine you coaching teams now, and you were with Mitchellstone. Mm. I know this year, and given your work ethic, and given your background, and your inherent honesty as a footballer, some of the modern generation must drive you batty. <laughs> yeah, I just. You'd be just trying to probably gauge your own experience and try to, uh, you know, I, at times I, I just wonder, are they listening, are they just in a different world? Like, like 
we all know like that everything revolves and certainly you know Ireland has revolved the same way as every other country and 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 we have the modern technology of the the the, the phones and the and the, and the playstations and all of those things like that that just weren't there in our time and you're able to if you have a problem or you you need to know something about an injury or about some other things in life you go to google and you try to find the problem mm-hmm. but um does it does it really does it really find a problem, like because the problem, like in a lot of these cases, is, is communication, like, mm. and like I think that the modern society are lacking kind of maybe communicating with people properly, and I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a bit of a headache going forward. I think for for the for the generation, I think how do you do it? How do you cope with it? Um, I don't know simple things in life that people don't even know how to do, like, um, but. You know, it it is a worry, like, and 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 I think with anything in life, I think you have to be able to communicate and talk to people. How do you roll with your own young fella? <laughs> I should look. Listen, he's twelve now. He's twelve. Yeah, he's 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 doing all sports. He's 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 enjoying it. He's playing hurling football with Bishopstown. They're great up there. They're great at the underage. He's involved. He got he started off a number of years ago. He went up to the he goes to Saint Joseph School in the Marlow there, and he was up to uh, fooling around. I suppose initially doing tennis up in Sunday as well, and and he's taken off on that. He's on the monster squad in tennis. So, look, I encourage him to the best that I can. I'm there with him as as and sometimes I get too involved, uh, but I suppose that can be from maybe my old ways of. Of, of frustration at times when I feel that he should be doing better but uh, look listen he's enjoying it and hopefully he can move on in the right direction yeah throwing it right back Larry because you know there's a generation that doesn't know the Larry Tompkins story and there's a I'm sure there's a generation who believe um, he should still be in Kildare and obviously most of those people are probably living in Kildare tell me about the story behind your time in New York and how you left Ireland a Kildare footballer and you basically came back, if not a Cork footballer, a Castlehaven footballer. I suppose it's a it's it's a long winded story, Tony. It's it's um Kildare were were a prominent no still a very prominent team like the, we, we we played Division One National League I'd say I came on to the Kildare senior team in seventy nine. Uh I was sixteen. Like hard to believe people wouldn't they say I'd be kind of dreaming, but nineteen seventy nine I was born in sixty three, seventy nine I was got a call up with the Kildare Seniors. Purely on the basis, I think, at the time that uh we had a lot of players in Kildare that were probably good enough but wouldn't commit to it. Include my own brother who was a serious player, uh, probably one of the best Kildare midfielders that What was his name? Joe. Joe, yeah. Um but I suppose that it, there was a lot of discontent with it within the the county board and the way the the county teams were ran and and it was just complete total uh it was just it's like a, a juggling machine really you didn't know what you were going to get from week to week and we'd end up going training with maybe 12 and 13 and 14 players training like it was hard to believe like and clear playing in division one in the national league getting attendances at newbridge was hard to believe in, in the health and safety you laughed at last year when they were saying there were eight or nine thousand people at the mayo clear game that time in National League games, we were getting thirteen, fourteen thousand people to Newbridge. Yeah, to Newbridge. Yeah, and um, I suppose when I got the call up, I was absolutely thrilled. Uh, I was on the minor team. I had that year. I had lost the minor final 
I was at the 1980 last the minor final to Mead and the following week I was drafted into the under 21 team playing the Leinster final against Dublin and I have that significant thing of losing two Leinster finals in one week um, both at minor and under 21 level and, and to Mead and Dublin because but I suppose I got the call up in 79 and it was it was a kind of a freak thing of a, of a call up because uh, there was a, I think the ESB or there was some major thing on strike that and the army were called in and we had a few players that were playing on the Kildare team including a guy called Tommy Shaw who was the free taker and Tommy couldn't travel because he was involved with the, 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 the army so Eamon Dunne who was the manager of Kildare he called me and asked me would I come come on to the not be on the team, but just come as a, 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 a to be part of the panel. So I said I was delighted, I was thrilled, and I was even going back to my memories of thinking that maybe I'm going to get on that radio that or inside that radio that I used to listen to when I was a young fella. So my first game was 1979. In the, that time, you played three was it three games before Christmas, uh, playing in Roscommon in uh, Doctor Hyde Park and playing again the Great Roscommon team. That was a hell of a team. Yeah. And um, they were in the All Ireland final. That yeah, I played on a guy called Jerry Canellan, who yeah. was a, a very influential player, and um, they had a hell of a lot of great players. And just we we, we got a we got a hammer on the same day. I kicked four points, kicked three from play. Um, At sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. And um, I was happy with my performance. I was coming back, and I was on the radio, and actually, the radio used to be our way of of hearing things because we, we we had no TVs at home or no radios, nothing. So it was um, just to hear the radio and Jimmy McGee, Lord of Mercy, and he's saying that a record was, I remember him saying a record was created today as the youngest player ever to to, to play at senior inter-county level. So look, listen, it was a boost. It was great. It was just something that I dreamed about. And um, I just gave Kildare everything I had. And um, for, I suppose... That said, from '79, playing senior level, played five years under twenty-one, played three years minor. Five years under twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Won, eventually won a, eventually won a um, Leinster final in 1983, um, and uh, I suppose one of my one of my bad injuries I got over the years. It started from then. Was it was um, we played in an intermediate county final. Uh, again, Castle Dermot, the club, the, the club Eadstown, is done. Eadstown. Oh, Eadstown, yeah, of course, and. Um, Got really taken out of it uh, before or just after half time, and kind of um, just got up and kind of took a stagger. Nobody knew at that time like what was you know you can imagine like concussion no, yeah, right. yeah yeah so played on didn't even realize scored one ten we hammered him out the gate in the final and um, you remember that though well like <laughs> I remember it afterwards but it's funny I don't remember anything about the game like yeah, yeah. and. Uh, presentation was made and I was just I don't know how I got from there into the dressing room but I collapsed inside in the dressing room and it was I was in, uh, in an ambulance came through into into, into Newbridge and carted off and I, I was in a coma for over two days are you serious yeah, so, so what age were you then though? that was 1983 that's 63 73 20. 83 yeah 20 yeah 20 yeah um, and I was playing the football in my life and, and Claire looking forward to an all in semi-final against Derry which was a uh, you know a massive thing because I had never been in that uh, we had never got that far mm. um, but ended up um, you know it was, a, it, was a, it was a hard time for my parents actually enough and, and uh, 
for my family, it was in a, it was in a, a kind of a touch and go situation. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I suppose been in a coma for that length of time, and I suppose I was. It was a. They didn't know whether it was going to come out of it. They don't know the length. Of time. When you go into a coma, you just don't know. You just don't know. And you don't know how it. you're going to come out if yeah, you are going to. Come yeah, out. and I suppose it was. Um, they were they were contemplating a lot of operations and and um, but thanks be to God I, I came out of it. It was over two days. And did you, I mean I mean can you remember? Did a guy just blindside you? Or did you get a box or? No, I was just basically taken out with an elbow. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just he kind of just ran from one side of the field to the other to. To get me, that and, was it. So, and uh, did the medics say to you at the time, "You listen to me, you're lucky to be alive. Pack up your football," or was well, that not the way? Well, that was the way it was afterwards. Yeah, it mm. was um, a lot of hard talking, and um, I was out of hospital in about a week and a half. Um, I it was, to, it was two weeks later. It was the under twenty one semi final, so actually I missed that. I travelled with the team. There was a great guy over the team at that time, Tony Kyo. He's he's dead now since died a young man. Um, he was a fanatic about clear football, but um, yeah, it was a it was a it was a trying time. And uh, Derry beat us by two points in the semi final. So, Worse. Yeah, it was a game that I'm not saying it would have made a, uh, that much of a difference. But <laughs> look, listen, it was there for the taking, mm-hmm. even on the day that they played. But uh, I think I'm sure Cork beat Derry then in the final is amazing. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it was a it was a tricky time as regards like my future was in doubt as regards would I ever even talk out initially it was a case of it looked like it was over um, at 20 yeah yeah it looked like it was over I, I had um, a hairline fracture of the skull and the temple bone yeah so um, it gave me a lot of problems for I suppose for I, I was told like that certainly within 12 months I couldn't do anything Um the tower initially then after four or five months I I was attending Jerry McIntyre which is amazing like Jerry was in the matter hospital and Jerry was couldn't be he, he sent me to all the top people and specialists and sort of my 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 angle in and Jerry knew where I was coming from because I had known Jerry a long time like playing again Mead like uh, even in the when I came on the clear team first from 79 80 Mead were beginning to kind of surge like with that team and 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 you know, they were young bodies. Jerry was a great bit of stuff. Joe Cancels, Mick Lyons, they were all good mates of mine and, and, and good solid friends. Um so uh he gave me he gave me the best possible treatment and, and advice and I suppose within time then I got a bit more confident, got back to work, um, started getting a bit more confident, went out training now. She was getting to, I used to feel a bit of lightness in the head and, and headaches and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they were tell, talking that maybe if I did get back to play, like I'd have to kind of wear this kind of protection over the head, like would be kind of like uh, worry best, uh, like kind of worry yeah. best, uh, uh, and kind Skull of cap, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so this was kind of mentioned, but I, I kind of took the advice of Jerry McIntyre enough, and he kind of guided me back, kind of, and I was back playing within um, eight or nine months. Right. Um, so that was 83. When did you actually leave for America, New York? And why? I left, yeah, I left in 85. Um, why? Because I was unemployed. Um, you were a carpenter, I was a carpenter, carpenter yeah. yeah. I, 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 in fairness, now I worked for... Uh, initially, I worked for Kevin McGough in Kildare for about a year and a half and then went to Dublin and worked for Martin O'Shea Builders. And, and it was amazing because O'Shea was a Kerry man and Martin was an awfully man. And 
the ladies cup now is Brendan Martin that's that's him really yeah and he was the guy that basically got the ladies football up and running to the extent it is to this day yeah and he was actually very influential in trying to I suppose to get the ladies football team going in certain areas and certain mm. places and put a good bit of money behind it and, and backed it and um, yeah we we I ended up we we I done a bit of work in Crow Park over the years and and we had actually uh, a lot of the contracts that were going out actually Brendan was getting a lot of them there uh, worked actually uh, all of it in Dublin uh, and worked with um, got to know and worked with Parik Dunn who was. Uh, became very friendly with mm. uh, probably to one another and with Offaly in 82 and I knew all that Offaly team so well like and, and was very friendly with Matt Connor who I, who I rated seriously high oh, as, a, as a player like. massive and uh, the day the, the morning of his accidents like uh, amazing like uh, uh, Richie Connor who was his brother rang me and, and informed me of the accident and um, none of us realised at the time like how, how the extent of it was went to see him then on, on the next day actually uh, Stevens a day amazing in a, in a hospital called Stevens's Hospital which is not there any longer now across from the train station Houston station mm. and sure listen Matt was as happy as happy as Larry excuse the expression he didn't think there was anything major but within 24 hours he was moved to Dunleary and, and um, the news broke then that he would never play football again and, and, and paralysed from the waist down so Listen, it was a it was a massive blow, massive blow for um, not for not alone for Offaly and for the for Walsh Island his club, but massive blow for the whole of Leinster because he was a serious player, like and and people that looked up to him, like massive blow for football, Larry. Massive blow for football, yeah. Like he was, he was just a massive legend, like and so look, you know when you hear Kerry people and the talk about players, like and you listen to him because they know their they know their stuff when they talk about football. Mm-hmm. And you hear like the the, the 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 statements they make about Matt Connor, like it's just that's what'll tell you. But you know, again, like you're just going back in a generation. You just love that young people would have seen him yeah. to this day, like and to see uh, just the, the ability the man had. Like yeah. uh, he glided. Yeah, he, he was, was just pure. pure. Yeah, and, and I used to see him play with Walsh Island, and we used to have fierce fun because um, that time scoring was a big thing. Like and and used to have him the. The, the Dublin papers the the, the the highest scores in each the national leagues and throughout the championship and and it was a massive thing be, and, and it was myself and Matt Connor were kind of all the time battling one another out like to try and see who would who would who would uh, who would get the highest scoring but yeah it it it, it just um, it was a massive blow at the time but um, sorry you were saying about you're you were out of work that's how you yeah, yeah. I was out of work and and. Um, I had been working a good bit in Dublin, all in Dublin, um, and I'd been out of work for about six weeks in '85. And I just went into Dublin one day, just uh, walking about, and I ran into a person called Mick Wright to play with Offaly. Mm. And uh, Mick was working. Mick was a journalist and, and and ran the Hogan Stand magazines, if you remember at the time. And amazing because the Hogan Stand magazine, I think it came out nearly every week. It was it was it was an electric kind of a magazine, but geez, how he was able to produce it like every week, he was just unbelievable. And it was a it was a real hit because people were really going for it big time at the time. But he was doing well there, and I just got talking to him. We just met him on O'Connell Bridge, and he said that he had been out in America he had in the summer, and that uh, he he played football with Donny Gall. And he just said, "Cheers." He said, "Would you be interested in going out there?" Or just off. I said, "Cheers." I said, "I don't know." I, and I kind of left it at that. And three days, four days later, I got a call from a guy in America, and it was over the Donegal team, Donald Gallagher, who was came as one of my great friends over the years. Then, and uh, he asked me would I come out for a weekend, 
that weekend. So it happened very quick. So little did I know I was on a plane heading for America. Never in America before in my life. Hardly ever on a plane in my life. Um, and uh, went on the Friday and played uh, a game again. Uh, Sligo, I think, over in in New York on the yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, I I I had kind of not that I had planned to emigrate or anything like that at that time, but um, I think I played very well in that game and I kicked one nine or something. And naturally, they were very anxious to have me. So um, they said, "Listen, you know, what, what what can we do to get you out here?" And, that, and look, I said, "I'll go home and I'll see what I do." And I was very anxious to go out myself because. Mm. I just felt like I'd just been there for a few days. I just enjoyed it and, and I just mm. felt there was massive opportunities there. And especially with the trade you had. Predicted from my, with my trade as well. So I said, listen, and, and doing nothing at home. And and we we, had, we were all tradesmen at home and there was only one of us working. Like It was just yeah, mad. The like, 80s was a bad, bad yeah. time. There, yeah, yeah and, and like it was a time that, not like the recession that's just gone. It, it was, the 80s had no work, but they had no big borrowings. Like, yeah. They just said, people had no work. Like That was just the way it, uh, way it was. And and we're just sitting at home, just looking out the window. Look, that was it. <laughs> it it wasn't a nice place in the rural area. Like just to be, I was all there just sitting, and we might go play a bit of football. We couldn't do that every hour of the day. So, just people needed to just have a bit of work. So, naturally, when I came from there, it was in my head like that. I I just needed to go back there, and uh, I decided I was on the All Star trip that year, and the All Stars ran in May, and. There was a Matt Connor uh, uh, kind of a, a charity match for Matt and uh, in Tullamore. The rest of Ireland and the All-Stars, I played in that. And then the following week, um, like that particular year, Kildare had made me captain of of, of Kildare. And um, I had informed him and Donahue of my intentions that uh, after the All-Star trip, I was staying in New York. So... It was something that he didn't want to hear, but he understood. He understood like I had been big blown out for your captain to come up to you and say, "By the way, I'm off." Yeah, like he had kind of known it for maybe five or six weeks before that. I said I had told him I had been kind of uh, gone out to America or gone out, and that I was maybe going to spend the summer there. That was the way I was kind of. And I said, "Look, Eamon and Eamon was 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 a hundred percent guy. Like um, Eamon just said, "Look," I said. Will you come back if you need to come back? And I said, Eamon, I'll do anything if you uh, you tell me to come back and you want me for a game. I'll give you a hundred percent. And that I said that. Um, so that's the way it was kind of left. And I went on the All Star trip, and I ended up then not coming back from the All Star trip. And when you get your ticket going over, and this is where the 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 the, the input of the tickets we will go on to in a minute. When you go to an all-star trip, you'll give a ticket, a return ticket, which you have to when you're going into America anyway, um, because otherwise you wouldn't get through immigration. I had the the return ticket still valid from my all-star trip, still there, which I wasn't coming back from New York. So when they called, I was in work. I had started in 608 in the Carpenter Union in America and um, getting on very well with Donegal over there and really enjoying it. And Eamon Donahue rang me. They had got over Wicklow. They had played Wicklow in the championship, and they were playing Mead. Then and they 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 had a buy in the first round, played Wicklow, and then they were playing Mead in the semi final. And he asked me would I come home for it. So I just said, look. I said to him, look. I said, I told you I'll give you a hundred percent. I'll be back. But I said, I have to have a return ticket to come back because I will use my return ticket. I can go into the travel agents which I had checked. 
and I'd pay my 50 or $60 to just to change the date, come back on the original last hour ticket, return ticket. But I said, to get back to New York, then again, I need a return ticket again. And I said, will you just verify that? Knowing the way the county board is, yeah, uh, there was a te- there was always that temptation in my head like that. This wasn't going to be plain sailing. So um, I... Eamon rang me a few times and told me everything was fine. He had talked to the county board. Pat Donny, who was the chairman and chairman Salters was uh, secretary, he told me that everything was in place and everything was organised. So I had said it before I left to Donald Gallagher over that was over the Donegal team. I told him the problems. He had known the problems. Like we had talked nasty a number of weeks before that about Kildare and different things. And I just told him like that the way the whole county was kind of being ran at the time and uh, wasn't great. And as... Um, I was glad to be. I was glad to be over in New York the way it was going on, you know. So, it wasn't a, a case that I never said I would never play with him again or anything. That that wasn't the issue. I said it, that was just the way it was. But I had said maybe when I go over here now, I said, do you know what? They mightn't even have the ticket ready. I just kind of passed a comment like that to him. So of course he was the, he was fairly tuned in without me being even known. He had put a reservation in the computer for me just in case mm-hmm. that it was a mess up. But I didn't notice. And um, I played the game again, Mead. I played okay, didn't play great. It wasn't my best games by any manner of means. Um, Mead beat it by, I think, two or three points. Um, I was went back into the dressing room after the game, and Eamon came over to me. He was absolutely furious and said, like, that the boys have told me that there's no ticket there for you. To go back to New York? Yeah. And Eamon was gutted because Narchi, he was the guy that was... He was the fall guy. Yeah. Uh, so I just said, look, do you know what? It didn't surprise me to the degree of surprisement. But uh, I was furious, just got into my gear. They said they'd see me down in the hotel and explained to me. It was the Beachmount Hotel in Navan, I'll never forget. And my brother was at the game, my eldest brother, Tommy. And... Uh, I told Tommy come back and I didn't even travel back in the bus. I came out, and the, all the players, John Croft and Paddy Donahue, all the, the stalwarts in Kildare, they were playing the teams the same uh, that day. Shea Fahey played in that in that game, um, and they were all knew the story. Like, so I arrived back in the hotel and I was having no meal, whatever. I was just wanted to get out of there. Mm-hmm. So Narcy went down to see them, and the minor team had played. They were in having their meal with the minor team, Pat Dunny and Seamus Aldridge, and. They never even lifted their head, both of them. And I went down to see them, and they just said, look. And I never forget the words what they said. And I'd never, ever missed a transition, Tony. And uh, they said, um, look, we couldn't get any ticket for you uh, to go back to New York. Um, it was late booking or something like that. And, uh, oh, seeing that we won't be needing you anymore anyway, why should we pay for the ticket? They actually said that. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what they said. And they never even looked at me. When they said it, Tony didn't even take his 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 face off the the table. With, and Aldridge was talking as he was eating, and I just said, "Fucking hell!" I said, "Is there the greatest shower of whatever?" Mm. I said, "It's no wonder the Kildare football is the way it is." And that's me done with Kildare football. Did you well, more or less think there and then? I said to them, look, I'm badly stuck. I said, how am I going to get back to him? You know? And they made me 
make an agreement with them that if they wrote me a check and they, they must have booked this or tried to book this late, that was a business ticket, which was €740 Euro or £740 Pound at the time. And they wrote out a check for £740 Pound and gave it to me under the agreement that I would pay them back. Right? So I took the check in uh, and I suppose a lot of things went on in my head. Mm. <laughs> but came out and the players, the senior player, forget, the senior players were coming in the door or they're in, someone were in the bar there, the, as you would be after a match and before they went in for the meal. And John Crafton went like a lunatic and mad and a number of the other players. And I believe there was a, a fairly big schmazzle as regards inside in the meal area. When, 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 but I was gone at this stage. I had gone and with my brother and all that. So went home that night and uh, I told my father I wouldn't, I said I'd never play with Clare again. Mm-hmm. I said I don't know what's going to happen in New York or how long I'm going to be there for, but I left under those kind of circumstances. I arrived at Dublin Airport the next morning to get my ticket, had the check. Again, Tommy drove me to the airport and uh, had my ticket or the check and went up to the counter as you did that time for Aer Lingus was flying out with, and asked was there a, ver- a reservation there for for my name and they said it was and uh, looked and said yeah that's that's going to cost you £740 and I said yeah fine yeah and I was paying the cheque as, just as she was taking it and my name came up again they said did someone book another ticket for you there's another I said where's that and said this has been booked from New York there's a reservation there put through for you. And paid for. And paid for. For no, sorry, it wasn't paid for. They had a they had what was called a down payment on it if I took it or something. I see, yeah. Right? So that was four hundred and something, which was the normal price of a ticket. Okay, it was called an apex ticket. And um I gave them the cheque, I said, Can I pay with that cheque and the balance and the balance of the cheque then had to go back. A draft had to be written back uh to the person that signed the cheque, which was the Calera County Board. So Tommy took the remainder of the cheque and I headed off and he headed off and he's he went back to Nace. He knew where Seamus Aldridge lived and basically knocked at his door and he wasn't too polite what he said but he just threw the, the, the cheque back into him and said that you'll never see my brother ever playing with Calera again. Mm. So that's kind of how it transpired. That, that was a seven-hour flight to New York. I would say you did a lot of thinking on um, well, <laughs> do you know, I, I, it was kind of um, something that didn't surprise me mm. because my brother, as I said, was a hell of a player and he wouldn't play with them because he just thought they were just a disorganised crowd. They were just... And you see, they had this kind of a... It just felt like the Pat Dunne, he was a great player himself. Like, Pat Dunne won... A Ra- the, when Raver Cups were really strong, Pat Dunne won Raver Cup with Leinster and Hurling and football, like... Like he was would have been deemed to be one of the the great players to play with Kildare, like, but he he kind of had a what would you call it a, a a jealousy over his shoulder, like that I was kind of taking his his limelight, mm. and um, I just felt that was the case. You know, I would never, I, I could never, I suppose, growing up, I could never be like that because I never felt like that ever in my life. I'd only be very much encouraging everybody to do the best to code and somebody was better than me fair enough you know what I mean I tried to get to that level you must always look back fondly on your time in New York not just as a footballer but just as a great great town to live in ah yeah like like, look people can go wrong there go right but like look it was a massive um, 
it was, a, it, was a, it was a massive decade that that early eighties, and as you know, even the late eighties, like it was, like I was going to Gaelic Park of Sunday, like and five games there, and eight ten thousand people there. Mm. Like, it's hard to believe, like, like it was just rocking, like it was just, and you would be just in the bar. John Kerry O'Donnell had the lease in the bar there, and John was a, uh, he was an old guy at the time and great guy, like, and and, and some people got on where he was moody out as, as hell, but like. He he knew his stuff like. I remember no. playing. I remember Lara playing a game there in Gaelic Park one Sunday. Um, I think I was playing with Leitrim, and oh. I I bent down on, on the sideline to tie me boot at oh. one stage, and one of the mentors from the other team came up the line and gave me a clatter across the back <laughs> of the head. It, it was it was fairly at times. It was fairly rough. You had to mind. You now you would have been well able to mind yourself, oh. but you'd have been a mark. You'd have been a target for a bit of abuse. I'd say. Well. Uh, do you know what it was? It was a good education for me too, because you know you always examine yourself in relation to you know nobody's perfect there, or nobody is perfect to this, no matter what to do in life. But you're always learning, like and I and and like I just felt like that I just needed to toughen up a bit more, like and just kind of be able to grind out things on my own bat, like and like. Um, Did you think you needed to toughen up at that? What age were you at this stage? Maybe twenty four. Yeah, well, like no, well, like that was uh, eighty five. Like that would I would have been twenty three. Was that twenty two, twenty three? Yeah. Okay. Um, like I'd gone through a lot, like with with Kildare. Like I'd gone through, apart from uh, the ticket situation, just as regards the the playing aspects of things. I was always kind of the 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 the, the person that had to kind of dig them out of the woods, like in Kildare, like and. I was always, you know, hoping that I could score nine or ten points every game, like this kind of. The big ask for twenty-two-year-old, like yeah, and even before, like even when I was sixteen, seventeen, like you know, like my second game was against Armagh in Newbridge, like packed stadium, like twelve, thirteen thousand people there, and you know I missed a penalty that day, like like you know I was asked to kick a penalty at that age, like and I missed it, and still to this day, like it it still. It haunts me a bit, like that, you know. And, and that was a great day because my brother played full forward. Uh, Joe played that day as well. So, look, uh, there, there was a lot of teams kind of came to me about it, but still, you're you're always examining yourself how you how you can be better, like. Mm-hmm. And I just thought like that when I went to New York. Like, I think I, I think I became tougher and harder mentally, mm-hmm. and. Um, I wouldn't give up. No, not that I give up easy, but it made me more stronger as regards not giving up on anything. Like, mm. and um, you know, those games were tough out there. Yeah, they were yeah. tough. And like the quality, there was some massive quality players like out there at that time. Like because they were the weekend pass players, weren't yeah, they? There was a lot the fact of like yeah. That, yeah. You had people like myself. Like that time, no, you had a guy called from Louder, Aid Moisman, come out like myself. You had another guy, Willie Lowe from Westmead. Like these were serious players, like in Leinster. Like another guy, Mick Casey from Longford. Like, like these were guys like that. that um, Kevin Madden and Carla, like that I knew, like through the through the the reins of playing in Leinster. Like mm. they were serious players, like and like you were playing against teams like that could have had eight or nine senior inter county players playing with them. Yeah. And like every team was, it wasn't that they were kind of built with weekend players at that time. It was, it was a good home based package of players that were out there. Mm. And like Donegal were made up with guys like that had come off of um, maybe success at under 21 level with their counties and then emigrated at the same time as I was when they were that age. And great players hungry for the game. 
like Yuji McNulty again down from down like a hell of a player. Like Yuna McIntyre, Donegal, like played wing back one and under twenty one with with with, with Donegal. Anthony Malai's brothers like Lanty Malai and, and Connie Malai. Great players like Martin Connolly of that played with Castle Avon, uh, the Collinses, like um, uh, Kevin Madden, like these big guys that people wouldn't hear those names, but like geez, they were all serious players. Like, you did know. you actually live in the Bronx as well? Yeah, I lived on two thirty first Street on, on Godwin Terrace. Yeah, I remember the the area well. Like, and we used to go down to the local pub there it was called the Celtic House and. That time you see, and that's how I got to be. We never stayed away from the games at home, like because mm. that time there used to be a, a video come in on the that's flight right. of, a, of a Monday. And the papers used and to the, come in on the yeah, Monday evening. Yeah, and you go down then to the the, the the local pub of a Monday night or a Monday evening, and there'd be a big gathering, and and they'd show the matches, and you'd see the the games then of from whether it was the Munster Championship or Leinster Championship, whatever. It was just so it was a nice place to go over Monday night and look at them, you know. I suppose what we'd say next is the Castlehaven connection. I mean, explain uh, briefly how did you start to even look back to Ireland? You know, how did it come that you would want to actually even give up on New York? Because I know for 20 years after coming home, I still had a longing for New York. I don't yeah. know whether you were the same. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, to how did it happen? It, it, um, I suppose 85 we won the New York Championship. And I had grown up with there was there was four lads from Castlehaven on the team, or well the two Collinses were kind of on and off the team, Anthony and Vincey, and the guy Martin O'Mahony was on the Donegal team, very good player, kind of forward, and then Martin Connolly. So amazing, like for a small little club, like you had four players like uh, playing on the Donegal team, and so look, we were out after games, we were going great, we were talking about home. You know, when the Wolf Tones would play, everyone was going to the Wolf Tones because you would yeah. be starting so much. When any and the band, Pogues came on yeah, the jukebox. Yeah, and when the bands would come over to New York, so everybody went to it because you felt being at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just a natural reaction. And these guys started talking about Castle Avon. And geez, like I had no clue. If Castle Avon was in Bangladesh, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have known where it was. Like, like... Um, they just told me it was kind of near. I they do they do slate me when they say the first uh, I kind of got some ink and where it was. They said it was near Skibbereen, so naturally the rivalry with Skibbereen Castlehaven was was huge. But I hadn't a clue where it was based in Cork, and like I wouldn't have been. Um, I would have come down here over the years playing national league matches in Cork with Kildare, and like so you get off the train, you get a bus to the ground, which I wouldn't see. I never seen Cork City, yeah. you know what I mean? Twice. And Castlehaven, yeah, right? yeah, and like it was. And, but like it was just there, you know when somebody Tony did gets up and speaks and, and talks about something or over a team and they're talking and they're trying to motivate you and they're trying you're, they're speaking or you, you listen to somebody speaking so like you know after five or ten minutes like really is it from the heart like is it does it mean life or death is it is it something that you you die for like it's the same like talking with, uh, within a team or within players or within but they used to be talking about Castlehaven. It was like their life depended on it. Like, yeah. it was just, I, I, and and like I was kind of saying to myself, "Jesus, like these guys are fanatic." Like, you know, Jesus, they were. This is Connolly and the lads. Yeah, mm-hmm. like in the Collins is like, and the Collinses came from a massive background of you know seven brothers, and mm. you know every one of them were like we're all great, good players. Like, and just to bring that right up to date for people who don't know, obviously that's <coughs> the same family as Mark Collins, yeah, the current Cork That's it. That's it. Mark, well, Francis now. That would have, that I played with that would have been Mark's father, like and, and but like. Um, but did they start saying to you, 
you know, when the wolf tones were playing in the background and there was a few points. Yeah. We're thinking of going home. Mm. Would you would you come with us? Sure started as a joke, like, because they knew my differences with Kildare. And it wasn't a case that they'd seen in Oakland, I don't think. That was never the case, but it was just a bit of fun saying, look, yes, we're going to go back some year. And we're, we're, we have to win a county with Castlehaven. We, we, we won't die happy unless we win a county with Castlehaven. And every time you met them, it was Castlehaven. It was Castlehaven. And then they were telling me then, I said, well, who was playing with them? And, you know, you'd be asking who, saying, no, you can't. I'm sure you never met neither. I used to see them going over Monday night and then matches, I'm saying to you, inside in the Celtic house, and you'd see John Cleary and Niall playing. They were on the Cork team. Like John, John came on in '83. I think played again. Kerry in the final. And like, and then I knew their brother, like John's brother. Then Dennis had been on the under twenty one team. So like, I was kind of, you'd be thinking there, you'd be going down the subway then to work, and and, geez, you'd be saying four lads over there. Jeez, if I did go back myself, five. Then I knew Mike McGuire had been out uh, mm. on one weekend. Jeez, he was sub goalie with Cork. And could play out the field as well. Uh, then you have uh, Nike Allen seven, John Cleary eight, Dennis nine. Jesus Christ! I said if the, if the other six are not too bad, yeah. <laughs> I said this is the shape of a team here. <laughs> I said Jesus, who knows? And um, try like that. It was kind of going on in my head a bit. Like I said, Jesus Christ! Like, and then I'd say to him, I said, Jesus! I said, how is not able to win a county? You know? I said, Jesus! You seem to have good players. And uh, they were saying, we're missing, we're missing, we're missing. Someone like you and they were all saying, Jesus, come back with us, we'll have a great crack. And we'll only go back for the summer, so we'll be back in America. So, look, we won the New York Champs beginning in 86, and it was, 86 was a, a huge year because we had, actually, we won in 85, and Donegal hadn't won the New York Champs. This was like all our finals, like, uh, Donegal hadn't won the New York Champs for over 20 years, like. And we had a lot of great people involved, and... Um, after the match, sure, it was as good as any other and finally winning the first one. The, the the drink was going high in the in the dressing room and people were just it was it was phenomenal, like it was brilliant. And I suppose the the best thing with Donegal was like that we had a real home base team there that was living there. Mm. You know, we had the Parry Duns that was living there, uh Pato Tour from Wickler was there. We had these guys like that, as I said, that people wouldn't know their names. But they played serious, they were serious footballers like. And we just came together great as a team. And, and following year in 86, we played Cavan in the final. And Cavan had 13 inter county players like. Like a lot of the Kerry team was out now playing with them. And I had been out for a good part of the summer. But we absolutely wiped them off the field like. We bet them 414 to 1 6. And it was probably one of the greatest displays ever inside in Gaelic Park like. And. Um, we just said we we we, met, we were talking and, and they were still talking about Castlehaven and the lads and then Donald Gallagher said, "Look, this team is really exceptional. We should plan to go over to Ireland and have a trip in '87." The Donegal team. Yeah, mm. we just felt we were so good like that. We just wanted to pit ourselves again the best, and we said if we went back in May. The county teams were really prime for games coming up to championship, and we try and get play three or four games again. Top, well, Narchie Donegal was going to be one, and Cork was going to be another because Narchie we had a lot of representatives from Cork, and it was organised then just before Christmas that the team was going to go away. Of course, they had 
funds and stuff like that wasn't a, wasn't a problem. They had big hitters there involved in the team, and everybody was really looking forward. So we organised a game again Cork. We organised a game again Mayo. We organised a game again Leash. And Donegal was our last game. Over the course of a fortnight? Three, it was nearly a three-week trip. Okay. That's what we're looking at. So then the lads probably got then saying, look, this is an opportunity for us to maybe stay over there for the summer and play with Castle Avon. And that's when they started kind of saying, look, Jesus Christ, can't you stay? Can't you just, just we, we sort of listen to see What have you to lose? I said, yes, no, no, I was kind of looking, so, look, they had been on to me and on to me and on to me, and one, I used to be, I, I was saying, I, I, I still say to this day, that 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 year, 87, or 86, 87, even though it was the best football I ever played in my life, like, I was just... Why'd you score of that 4-14 that day, <laughs> can you remember? Probably about 2-10. <laughs> uh, I don't think, I got one goal, I think it scored about one... 113 or 114 or something. You know. Not bad. Not bad, yeah. Well, it's funny, the final before it, um, against Sligo, that was a real hard game. Uh, the score ended up, it was a draw the first game, 1-9 to 12 points. I kicked 1-8, uh, and Tim Lai's brother kicked the other point. And, and Platts Blam was the only player we brought over, and I was gassed because Mick Wright called to me the, the night before the final, and, and Pat was out for the weekend. And Mick and Pat, seemingly over the years, didn't get on, or Mick didn't get on with him anyway. So Mick knocked on my door anyway and said, um, Larry, by no fucking t- circumstances you're to pass him a ball tomorrow. <laughs> so, an amazing New York final. This is hard to believe now. This is the gospel tour. Five minutes before half time, a row broke out with the totem. And the totem went fucking here to fight. Like, and the same team. And the same team. Fucking hard to believe. Like. And we playing again a team like they were favourites to be on the day. Like, and they were a hell of a team, Sligo. And we had to fucking get right at half time. And... Do you know what? The match ended in a draw. There was ructions afterwards. Spillane stayed for the, the week because we were playing the replay the following week. And he ended up then the best of buddies the following <laughs> week. <laughs> so, uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stories. But, um, yeah, 87 was... <coughs> Go I, back I, to Castlehaven. That yeah, yeah. Just what, to, what actually made the decision? i tell you what made the decision, though. I, I was playing the football in my life. I was in the best shape of my life. And people were just saying to me, jeez, it's a... Crying shame you don't go back and see what you can do. And I said, well, fuck it, I can't go back to Galileo. Mm. <laughs> and it wasn't a case of going back to Cork. And even though Billy Morgan had been in America in 85, 86, he went home late 86, and I would have played again. Billy Billy played with Leitrim. And um, he was working in Rosie O'Grady's pub down below in Manhattan, mm. and I used to pop in that time and just even knew him to talk to him and stuff like that. Uh, so... 87, I was training in January 87 on my own, which I'd done a lot over there. I used to go to the gym and, and I'd go for long runs and up and down. It was a big hill beside that gym there, Jack Denane's gym it was. And it was snowing the same night in the January. That time your communication at home to your parents was, it wasn't by phones, it was by letters. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother used to always ask, she's like, when are you coming back? You know, this was always the end of the letter, like, and um, I trained that in the January, and I was coming home, and it was part of the torsen. I ran into this kind of stores, like it'd be like a central store, or mm. and the snow was pelting down. And I looked out and I said, "Jesus!" I said, "You know what? If I don't go now, I'll never go." Mm. 
and I ran back. I forgot about the drink, and I ran back up to the apartment, and I was staying on the fourth floor of this place. And and Martin Connolly stayed literally across the corridor from me. He was, I think, I was in four F, and he was in four D. And I knocked on his door, and the snow was was dripping down off me. And uh, I said to Martin, I said, "Have you got that transfer form? I'll sign it." Wow! And that's how it happened. And I just. Uh, it was just one of those moments I said listen I'll go over it was the snow that done it well I don't know what, but like they were just I think they were just so passionate yeah I like the word just they were just and that would have been big with you Larry. it would imagine. have been big yeah. yeah it would have been big because I just kind of know his people when you when you go through life and, and from me from where where, where I kind of came from and how I grew up and the whole lot you, you kind of get to know how much it means to somebody about something. And, uh, you know, I've come across great people, like, and great people have helped me along the way. And, uh, but, like, these were another brace of people, like, they were just, what would you say, in a different league, like, in mm. relation to their thinking and their passion for it. And was there any problem in terms of transfer from Eadstown or... Oh, sure. That was another story. I <laughs> know. Uh, this wasn't playing sailing. It was. Uh, I got a call. I signed the transfer on 1987, end of January, and my transfer wouldn't go through because the Clare County Board said uh, we need letters from his employer. We need this. We need that. We need to see that this guy is at home, so they wouldn't sign anything. And I suppose it had. To, uh, Frank Murphy got his teeth in it, and initially. Um, the Collins has said to me outside like that you would have to go for an inter-county transfer because of course Frank the man he was kind of knew my background and said look if we get this guy an inter-county transfer rather than what we call a tr- club transfer like he knew that he had gone through the process of knowing the implications that I probably left mm-hmm. and there was not actually there was, there was articles maybe written about it in, over the years and, and, and the way I was treated so and Frank was no doll, like I always say, like he knew he knew everything about me, like. Mm-hmm. He knew how many times I played Rabbit Cup. He knew when my first Rabbit Cup match was. And I commanded the Rabbit Cup team was seventeen, like. Mm-hmm. Like Greg Blaney commanded the same team. That time Rabbit Cup was serious, like. Um I was in Breffney Park, thirty thousand people had like. Like Ulster Leinster. Yeah. Like and Greg Greg was eighteen years of age and I was seventeen. And um but Frank would have known all this and he knew like that look there's an opportunity here yeah but I it wasn't in my head like yeah it was never in my head to go back and play with Cork it was never in my head to, that I was going to play with Cork when I come home it was Castlehaven like mm-hmm. but I said look if it's an inter-county transfer and it's going to get it sorted quicker go ahead with it because I knew I wasn't going to be playing with Calera again so it didn't make any difference to me mm-hmm. But it never was mentioned that I was going to be ever playing with Cork. Like. It was Castlehaven. But it all happened very quickly because you're mentioning the year 1987 there mm. and I'm picturing you mm. in the 1987 Munster final. Am I right? Yeah. After Mikey had just danced through for that yep. impossible goal yep. Yep. that literally he got the ball down up the other end and you were kicking the free yep. to level it. Yep. So there must have been a very short time frame before you actually well, we uh, between coming home and making your debut for Cork well it's funny it's, it's amazing how fate and, and, and like it's amazing how things happen in life 
I came home in May with the touring team from Donegal to play these games. And we played against Cork, we beat him. We played against Mayo, we beat him. We, we beat Leash, and we went along. We played Donegal on this trip in the last game, and we were a bit spun out. And they were probably no disrespect to Donegal, but they were probably the worst of the four. And we drew with them. But like, just to Donegal alone, like our team over there, it just showed like how good that team was. Like, you know, we 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 had played really good quality teams, and we had beaten them all really. Uh, but my transfer hadn't still gone through. I came back from from the lads when they were when the trip when was was finished up in Bally Buffet to all the fellas dispersing the next day and going their different direction or going back to New York or some of them staying uh, and like with the four lads in Castle Aben, like naturally they were staying right and my transfer wasn't true so you were in limbo yeah so they were saying I was getting a message from the colonists Francis was dealing with a lot of it Mark's father now uh, he was saying, oh, it'll be sorted next week. It's, it's all, But I knew there was a problem coming from Kildare. So I had to get letters from the employer, who was Christy Collins, was employing me at the time. I did get a letter from a priest down below that I was living in, in Union Hall. And I had to get a letter from my club that they were sanctioning the, the, the transfer from Eadstown. Eadstown, yeah. They weren't of the same mind as the Kildare, Kildare County Board, no, obviously. They were, they, they, were they were very supportive. Like, never, never a problem there. But... In order to get the thing over the line, they had to sign the dotted line. And you had Frank in your corner. Yeah, but it wasn't as easy as that. Any time this thing was coming up, they were missing. Who so were missing? Pat Donnie and Seamus Aldridge, the mm-hmm. guys that were the chairman and secretary of the Clare County Board. They needed a signature from them. Even though at the time Seamus Aldridge was very... He was a influential referee uh, and, and refereed a couple of controversy matches over the years, but... Um, he still wouldn't obey the situation as regards what was ground, what was coming down the line and every time that he was supposed to sign it there was a problem or he was away and this how it was getting put back, put back, put back and every time I was living down in New Hall and I used to be going down to the old telephone box in Union Hall and I'd be ringing my mother and I'd be saying to her this fucking place, I said, it's a ghost town I said, I'm fucking going back to America and you know I was like from the Bronx to yeah, Union Hall yeah. I was saying and I, and I can't even play football I said fucking getting out of here right I said just as fucking and every week they'd be saying to me oh and then I used to go down and that's why she became a great a, a, a great woman like my own mother uh, Mike McGuire's mother Nora I used to go down to Castle Towns and then and, and Christy Collins at the pub there at that time and I might go in there and not I was drinking I'd go in and have a chat there and Nora was living beside him in the terrace house there. And Nora said, come on in. Next minute, before I even realised it, she'd have the dinner up for me. You know, mm. one of the old stock. Good people. Good people. And she had great stories to talk. And she like, look, she she was one of the most knowledgeable people ever talked about football. She knew every player in the, in, in, in Ahalone, in, in Cork, well, all over the country nearly. But you could train with Castlehaven Lair at the time, I presume, I could, could tra- you? I could train. I was training. Can you there. remember what your first training said? Could you remember your first training session? Um, Castle Aben because um, it was a big move yeah it was a big move and, and my first train was, was very very easy like like I wouldn't have thought had no, it was at no deal yeah you know you were in some shape I mean I, obviously I, did, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't sweat too much you know but um, I suppose their training was a little bit low key as regards what I expected mm. you know and what I mean by that like I thought it'd be tougher and that was my first impressions and did you articulate that 
thought well, and concern? I didn't. I didn't want to over push myself like as mm. regards like you know like um, people knew where I kind of stood and they, I suppose the lads that came over were kind of wanted me to get me more involved to, to be kind of involved in the training because they knew I. I'd push them hard, you know. But we had a good fellow in Castleham there that was, Parry Buck was over the team, and he was, you know, he was a tough enough hard master. Like, but we we just needed to get our base. But still, it was a bit demoralising for me. I was I was travelling up a little bit up to Kildare and seeing my folks and and back down. So I might have been at one or two training sessions with the Haven, but I didn't know whether my transfer was ever going to go through. And this was going on since you would say January. Like, why did he need, you know, this kind of length of time? So every week I was going back to America, like. I was on the verge. It was like a tussle kind. I was heading back, and it kind of June then came in and still not transferred. And Castleham were playing championship match, and I think they were playing St Nick's someone, and they were expected to beat me, but they didn't beat me easy enough to beat them. And they were through to the quarterfinals of the championship, and uh, so here was me looking this couldn't play, and uh, Frank Murphy rang me. Uh, Frank Murphy rang me one day and said, "Look, listen, there's a few complications." And he was saying, "What?" Wh- he was kind of used the language about these fellas and clear where these fuckers like. And I said, "You haven't fucking dealt with these fuckers." I said, "These guys will do anything. They'll fucking put everything in front of you to stop you f- getting a transfer through for me." Of course, Frank listened to this, and of course, he said, "Probably there's no one who's going to beat me here." In this, mm-hmm. so. Um, he kind of more or less reassured me that it'll be sorted. This is coming out early John. Billy Billy Morgan ran me probably a day or two afterwards. I hadn't talked to Billy since my days in New York and since he left in late eighty six and then he was appointed manager of Cork in, in that year eighty seven. Um Billy rang me and asked me could he meet me. So I said, Fine, grand so so we ended up meeting the Skibreen Golf Course. And I met him and he asked me would I he said uh, would I come up to train McCork that was his way he said we'll see how it goes see how you like and I said Billy I'm home here to fucking play with Castle Evan I said that's all my angle I said I don't want to mess you up I know the way it is with Intercounty saying I said I'll st- I, I, I'll stay away from it and that's how we left that I would stay away from I wasn't going to go up to Mm. to train with him and at that time Archie I knew Shea Fahey was involved with Cork and had been training with Cork but I hadn't met Shea since my days of playing in Kildare so I ended up down in Castle Avon it was a Friday night um, this is the 12th of June never forget it 12th of June of a Friday night Frank Murphy rings me and said to me could I get on the train the next morning with the Cork team, they were playing Dublin in a challenge match in Parnell Park. He said, bring your gear. And I said, fine. I, I said, yes, what am I bringing my gear for? He said, your transfer will be true in the morning. We just need you to bring your gear just to make to, to kind of, if anyone is kind of be around, because there might be a few people about and around. Uh, he said, we'll have this sorted in the morning. So whatever way he had designed to to catch Seamus Aldridge, Cahanua within, and there was representatives from Crow Park even had to go with Frank to hound him down to get it signed. But they had kind of more or less put a, 
a cop's car after him to to make sure that he was going An to APB be. almost yeah, out on yeah, Mr. Yeah. Aldridge. Yeah, yeah. So I arrived at the train station that morning and Narchi was with, with, with uh, I drove up myself actually, I had a car there from a guy there from Castle Paddy Hegarty and Narchi, uh, Niall, Niall, I knew Niall and John Cleary and the lads, Mike McGuire they were, and Mick Burns at Ardemersham, he was on the train as well. So I knew them lads, but I didn't know anyone else apart from Shea Fahey. And I was looking forward to meeting Shea because I hadn't seen him for nearly three years, you know. Mm-hmm. So got on the train, uh, you know, met Shea. Um, you know, I mean, it was it was very unusual for both of us, like. Don't imagine. Yeah. What I'm thinking is, could you imagine if that happened now? It'd be up on Twitter, seen, spotted Larry Tompkins at Kent Station yeah. with his gear bag. Yeah. It would You wouldn't have got to Dublin and it would have been headline news. But then... So then, like it was, uh, I just went up on the train and and um, just I suppose I arrived in Parnell Park and um, just sort of like listen. I didn't think I was going to be fucking talking out or anything to that extent. I was sitting in on the bench there in the dressing room and uh, the lads were talking out and I was just sitting there and Frank Murphy came whizzing in the door, a smile on his face as long as the day is long and I forget and. I always say with the with the handshake of really meaning it, you know, as I said, Dermot Early, the Lord of Merson, when he died from us common, there's one thing that man had, he had a shake hands that was the most welcome shake hands you ever have in your life. Like Frank. That. Well, he was in comparison to like a Dermot oh, yes, Early. Yes, I know what you're saying. And Frank just came in like, and he just came over and he shook my hand and he says, welcome to Cork. He said, we're delighted to have you. He said, will you do me, will you talk out today? Out of the blue, I talked out, and next minute Billy named me on the fucking team. And my first guy I marked was a guy called Eamon Heary. I remember. That I played with Dublin. Wingback, wasn't Wing he? Wingback, and yeah. we played centre-back. I played centre-forward yeah. that day, but <coughs> centre-back. And I came back down, and of course, look, I played. Re- I didn't say I played great, I played reasonable, okay. But So you actually played with Cork before you played yeah. with Castlehaven? Yeah, that's amazing. And I got transferred the day of my birthday, 13th of June. At 12 o'clock, Frank, I often asked Frank Atwood, when did he sign the dotted line? He said, when fucking t- it was literally 12 o'clock that day when 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 this, the, the transfer form was 1987. Signed. 1987, which means that, June. I was yeah. just about to say, they were getting you at 24 years of age. Yeah. Like, talk yeah. about coming into your prime. Yeah, well, I was... In the football transfer market, that would be <sighs> a seriously big fee you know that well can, look it, how, it, did it make head, huge headlines Larry at the time can you remember I'd made headlines but I don't think it made you know what I mean it was I suppose I had been out of the scene for a few years and I suppose if it had to happen like maybe when I was in the scene and still playing maybe the headlines might have been a bit different but uh, there was a lot of headlines made at the time when I left Kildare when I well, went to New York and got massive support from, from all the Kildare fellas like and that that continued as amazing, like even after yeah, you yeah, signed, yeah, Blair, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you obviously though must have made a very quick impression on Billy. Well, I suppose like that he, he would have known a lot of people in New York, and he knew mm-hmm. like that. See, when I went to New York, like Frank McGuigan was the king of Gaelic Park, like. But like as Frank said to me, like afterwards he said like that, you know, you destroyed my reputation, <laughs> you know. But Frank was a great, Frank was a great guy, like great player, like. Um, but, of course, like, Billy knew, like, the impact I was making in New York, and he was probably no fool, plus the fact, like, that, you know, Frank was, Frank knew, like, 
deep down like was uh, probably hopefully a big difference that I could make like and I suppose Frank was a major influence like in relation to all this happening you know what I mean and the the, the probably the support he kind of gave me like and Frank and Billy Larry would both have been aware that that golden era of Kerry was coming to an end I mean they'd won the three in a row in 86 but they were on they were running on fumes at that stage and did you feel even there like you had looked at Castlehaven mm. and saw what you could be like on paper? Now that you were on that train journey, literally with Cork, were you looking at that and saying, "You know what? We could push this." Look, and I, I always keep saying it, like even to this day, like, and, and I would have been totally against this kind of looking at this five-year plan, like in relation to what was kind of because, like, I came to Cork. And like I was in all Cork, like as regards like their ability, their their always the 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 team like that had massive potential. I know did Slate and say like that Michael Wears and always say like the second best team in Ireland, like you know when like, when Kerry were beating them. And you might have meant it, by the way. And he fucking meant it, like you know what I mean, like like Cork produce and always have produced serious players, like. And I've watched myself over from the '73 team even before that, like. I've seen them playing like and, and like it's amazing like I used to be going to uh, down to my aunt down in Galway and uh, her husband now they're, both of them are dead no since her husband Tom Kelly was involved with the Galway County Board for me 40 years like and I used to be going down to them every year on holiday and staying there a few weeks and I used to be ending up and one of the years was 73 and I used to go to the train sessions and I was kicking the balls back for the Galway team like you know the likes of Tommy Joe Gilmore and John Tobin Jimmy Duggan Liam Salmon like they were serious serious men like and like um, it was just uh, I suppose coming to Cork like it just was a an era of of, of excitement and I suppose pitting myself again the best and, and maybe hoping that I'd get the chance maybe that I would play again the best and I always felt like that Kerry were the team to pitch yourself again where you were as a footballer like mm. And every time I listened to that radio and that old radio back the years, like sure, like Kerry were in that radio all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like there were household names like and there were you know, Jack O'Shea, John O'Keefe, Sean Wells, like Mike Sheehy, you know what I mean, Bomber, you know what I mean? There were there were names like that you were just in awe of like you know Yeah, what but I mean? do you know what? Watching you on the field after ninety seven against Kerry and other you never gave the sense or if you held them you know in that amount of awe you never showed it on the field well <laughs> oh well like you, you believe in yourself don't you you know that's the that's the most important thing like I, I like I knew I was I knew I could be better than anyone else I knew I knew it wasn't a cockiness it wasn't a uh, but I knew I had worked hard I knew I could compete against these fellas I knew as a young fellow I competed in Kerry I marked Tim Kennelly when I was 17 18 years of age like the National like, League. I scored it one nine again. I'm in a tie in in Kildare, like when I was only seventeen, like, like. Um, and lived to tell the tale. And lived to tell the tale, yeah. But like, what was a massive, I suppose, a massive input in relation to my career was getting into a gym, developing my physical strength, and you know I mentioned Barry. Dermot Early was a big help in relation. To he, he. I wanted to go. Gyms were very scarce at that time. Going back seventy nine, eighty, like. Mm. And I played again Kerry in the National League game in that 79 and I was only at Borden on 17 years of age. And I was down in Tralee and this is, I know we've we've skipped back a few years now from what, what we were talking. But 
I remember, and the other mission was Frank King was the chairman he of Kerry, uh, and we got off the train and we went down to Tralee and we were playing the National League game. And I was only 17 years of age, and we went upstairs and we had a, after the game, Kerry were after hammering us, uh, and I was after playing in Jim Dean and Paddy O'Shea in that game. And I played reasonably well again, but I was very young. But here was I looking at Always inside my head was, how do I get to where you are? You know, but I couldn't ask the question. Yeah. You know, and Eamon Dunahoo was over our team, and Ogie came over because Ogie and Eamon Dunahoo played with uh, DCU or uh, UCD in the Sigerson, and they knew each other. And Eamon introduced them to me, Ogie, and straight away before I ever said, "Just great to me," I said, "Just could you tell me what type of training?" are you doing or what would you advise and he looked at Jesus he said you know what he said maybe getting into a gym and doing a bit of long running would help your strength Jeez, the next day anyway I, I, I contacted uh, Dermot Early he was over in the Curry camp and uh, I asked him about a gym what was the story and it wasn't a gym to be seen you know what I mean? You're, like, you're telling somebody, and <laughs> like people think now, oh yeah, go down the road there, there's a gym. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's totally, totally different. Like, it wasn't a gym to be fucking got, like, but there was a gym in the Curry camp. But Dharma couldn't let me use it because it was against the rules and regulations unless you were within the army regime. So he says, he said, leave it with me, whatever. Jeez, I said, two or three weeks later, Dharma rang my home place and said, you were talking about a gym. He said, there's two fellas that are here in the curl camp. They're opening up a gym in Nice, and it's opening up in the next two or three weeks. It's beside the townhouse hotel that's coming in the Newbridge Road. She says, I didn't wait a second. I was, every day I was looking to see, coming back from work now, I used to be working in Kilcullen on the buildings. And just here I was seeing, and I was up in the door, and I went in, and I just didn't meet the two fellas. They're only setting up all the, and the, the, these guys were in the army, like. And I told them, and he said, look, listen, we'll be open in three weeks' time. When they opened, by, I was lived there. I lived there. And they trained me and showed me everything. Way to what age were you now at this stage? I was 17. Okay. Yeah. And when I played on Tim Kennelly, I was probably 18. I was, yeah, would have been touched 18. And I played against Tim in the National League. It was the opening up. We used to play our games in Newbridge, but that day we played it in a tie because they were opening up their pitch. And I marked him, and I scored one eight off him, and I was able to kind of match him a little bit more for physicality. Not that I could fucking overall could match him no. for physicality, but... You could hold your own. It was the first time I said to myself, this is a turning point here now. I was able to kind of win my own ball, you know? Well, I did tell you at the top of this segment that this conversation was only scratching the surface of the Larry Tompkins story. That's part one, and we haven't even got to to the beginning of his playing career with Cork from 1987. Larry would play in the next four All-Ireland finals with Cork, losing the first two before redemption and revenge were his lot in 89 and 90. We'll be back with part two shortly. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.